0: After talking to Mo Carter, I feel significantly more optimistic about Alabama AM football, and you should too. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music.
1: You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU podcast. your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, Sam Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off, does not mean that the journey is over just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives you see it at the bottom of the screen but if you don't that means you're on the audio side of things just don't forget the s on the end of south exclusives and fox 54's mo carter comes on and he breaks down the alabama a and spring game because he was live at the event and he breaks down the quarterback battle the one, two, three man punch at running back, and then also looks towards the future in fall camp. But let's start off with the most important part. All right, Mo, spring games are essentially a coma spring practice. Before we get into the game specifically, what is spring practice like when you have a quarterback battle, but one guy is hurt, so only one of the quarterbacks is actually participating?
1: Man, very good question. I mean, a lot of folks knew that after what happened in 2022 with Alabama A&M, they had their eyes set on the fact that Xavier Lankford and Quincy Casey were probably still going to be the front runners going into spring practice. But then Quincy Casey does get hurt. On top of that, Alabama a and signed three quarterbacks during their uh, – during their signing period, one guy was on campus, the Buffalo transfer, while they also wait for the Northern Illinois transfer and the high school kid that's like six foot five that's coming to it. So, if anything, the pressure was on for. The QBs, especially if you're on that roster from last year. And when you look at it, yeah, Quincy Casey ended up getting hurt. So Xavier Langford taking a lot of the snaps, knowing that it's his chance. But he also knows that competition is definitely uh, coming up with the rear. And he's got to find a way to hold it off. And I'll say on Saturday for the spring game, he did a pretty good job of that. Maybe not so much solidifying himself as the starter going into the fall. But he got some brownie points for sure.
0: So then you have, t- or let me ask you this. You mentioned the guy from Buffalo. Is it now a three man race or is it still looked at as if it's going to be Lankford versus Casey?
1: I think right now it's more Lankford versus Casey Uh, the guy from buffalo he you know he showed some flashes of brilliance. um, During the practices, I went to but clearly i'm not on the staff, so I don't know exactly what they're actually seeing all those other days that I was not out there, I mean clearly coach Maynard said that. Langford was probably the front runner, but he's always open to competition, especially at his favorite position of all time, if you know Coach Connell Maynard's history with that. So I'll tell you this: I would not be surprised if Lankford is probably the favorite going into preseason camp. But like I said, you have a grad transfer from Northern Illinois who had Pretty good opportunities to play during his career, in which he made the most uh, most out of all his opportunities. And then I think they also have the freshman as well uh, that will be coming in. So I'm not going to say it's a two-man race, three-man race or whatever. In the words of Coach May- Maynard, basically the, meth- the best man will win the race and start day one against Vanderbilt on opening week.
0: Don't you love it when coaches tell me that? Like, of, of course, I would assume so, coach. I'd assume that the best guy is going to win, but give me a little insight on who the best guy is. Come on, coach. But when you're looking at Casey and he misses time due to injury, does it give Langford a little bit more edge or did he create some more space in that race? Or are they kind of treating it like you can't lose your spot due to injury? We're just going to postpone any judgment until the fall.
1: I would definitely say that he's created some space in uh, that QB battle between Langford and uh, Casey. And yeah, I know you know injuries happen and stuff and whatnot, but even not even through the coach's eyes, look at it from the player's eyes. Because Casey is not available right now, the extra workings that you could have between QB and wide receivers, those are going more so to Langford than what they would be going to any other quarterback. And that also creates chemistry between QB and wide receivers in most cases throughout the spring. And, I mean, yeah, I know that there was a true draft and, you know, you had a limited time to work with this and that. But, I mean, some of the passes that Lankford made were on the money. They were pinpoint. And you can also show that he had some good chemistry with the guys that were on his team um, for this past week. Just in general, so I think he definitely did create some space with that. But the thing is that, remember, this is just spring ball. You still got the off season, and then you got preseason camp coming up.
0: When you look at Langford's game, and this is the last thing we're going to ask about the quarterback battle. When you look at his spring game, from everything that you were able to hear and see from the practices that you went to, did his performance on Saturday feel pretty much what you expected? coming into the game or was it even a little bit better than maybe you thought it would be?
1: I'll admit I was impressed with what I saw um, a little bit better to answer your question uh, fully, primarily because, hey, Lankford is a good athlete, pretty good quarterback. But, you know, people will say, you know, you can you hear the fans say this and you also hear the coaches say that like, hey, for every so many good plays he makes, he'll make a play that he should not have made or he'll make and I'm truly saying this correctly a boneheaded play. That's what Coach Man has truly said, you know, in the description of it or whatever, compared to the fact that, hey, you should have never thrown this pass or, oh, he should have never called this check or things of that nature. Saturday, you saw him basically not be flawless, but he was about the best I've seen him, you know, throughout this entire seen on the Hill when it comes to Alabama A&M football and him being, you know, the quarterback. So he definitely showed flashes of brilliant and lots of improvement on that. Now the big question is, can he carry it over from what he did throughout the spring in the spring game and then carry it over into a 2023 season that'll start in about three months?
0: And as we continue with Locked on HBCU, we're gonna dive into the one, two, three men in the backfield who can carry the rock and actually ease the job of whoever that quarterback's going to be. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. The play-in tournament starts tonight with the seven and eight seeds going against each other on both the Eastern and Western side. And as a man of my word, I said I'd look it up. And you have the Hawks going against the Heat. That's the 7 and 8 matchup. And then you also have the Bulls versus the Raptors in the 9 10. So that's the Eastern Conference play in. Start putting some money down. It's tonight and tomorrow. And then we get into the playoffs. So you have play in, playoffs, regular season, and all these other sports. But we know what heightens you the most, and it's playoff basketball go to fanduel.com locked on to make every moment more put some money down and make sure you are a winner And as we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And Mo Carter of Fox 54 is still here, breaking down the three men in the backfield who can ease the quarterback's job no matter who it is. Moving on from the quarterback battle, and that is a good one, and it's one we'll see in the fall. But moving on from that quarterback battle, what were some of the other things that coming into the spring game that you had your eye on i want to see how this turned out i want to see what happens with this battle or this position what were some of those things for you
1: i'll tell you this one thing i was looking forward to seeing was the running back battle i mean clearly we knew that donovan eaglen a former all swack standout um actually won like Uh, National HBCU Player of the Week honor, you know, last year. We knew he was going to be the bell cow in that backfield. But then my question was, who was going to back him up? And I think we got an answer with not one, but two guys. Number 20, Kenny Wilkins had a very, very solid performance. And number 30, um, DJ Moffitt, he also had a very solid performance. Then when I asked Coach Main about his running back room, he was like, hey, this probably is one of the better running back rooms he's had since he's been on the hill because all three guys bring different things to them, and they have um, lots of strengths and little to minor weaknesses. And clearly, you know, all three guys, they do some damage. All in all, I mean, Eaglin, uh, you know, kind of got held up a little bit against that white defense that, you know, that stood out pretty well. Um, if you look at the highlight reel, I mentioned they had seven sacks against the maroon team in which uh, Donovan was playing on. But yeah, man, the white team, they moved the ball not just through the air, but also on the ground and you got to keep in mind this, it was raining cats and dogs in Huntsville on Saturday. So certain plays were going to be limited. Thus your running game was gonna have to be something strong. And I think Wilkins and um, Moffitt did a really good job taking advantage of uh, toting the rock when their names were called.
0: Yeah, I think Moffitt had 15 carries for about 90 yards or something along the sorts. It was a really good yards per carry average that he had. When you're looking at him, do you feel like he brings a little bit more explosion to the offense? I saw his numbers and his yard much higher than the other two running backs.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Moffitt definitely does bring a little bit more explosion once, you know, he gets the rock in his hand. I mean, you know, he wasn't getting touched two, three yards down the field sometimes with that. I mean, you know, when you look at a guy like, you know, Donovan, Donovan is a power back who can, you know, run away from you eventually if he he does it, where Moffitt is a little bit more of a speed back. So you have a good dynamic if you can mix those guys into it. But, yeah, I was very impressive with Moffitt. You know, I saw him running drills throughout spring practice, but to see him in true action was something quite impressive uh, through my eyes and also through the eyes of the Bulldog fans who were able to either to withstand the rain and watch in person kudos to them for doing that Or the ones who were able to watch online via um the amu sports broadcast with ted dixie and uh, chauncey sanders
0: and you talked about how he wasn't getting touched two three yards down the field well i'd be remiss if i didn't mention the offensive linemen. the offensive linemen have to be doing phenomenal work for you not to get touched two to three yards is this is this a strength of the team is this something that can push the offense forward
1: Absolutely. Yeah. With this offensive line, you got to think you've got a mix of veterans and you got a mix of guys who have now been in the program a good two, three years because Coach Manor talks about always recruiting for his needs. Well, I recall there was one recruiting class that man, you had all kinds of defense alignment and offense alignment um, in it. And you knew it was going to be a matter of time before these guys are going to get out there and shine. And I think this is probably the year you're going to see a lot of movement among that interior front, no matter if it's O-line or D-line. So, yeah, O-line definitely for the white team, um, you know, opened it up. And also, let me go ahead and I need to put this out here too. Remember, they had a draft. So that okay. means that you could have – Maybe a first team center next to a third team guard, next to a second team guard and a second team um, second team tackle on one side, and a first team. So like it's a true mix all in all. Not saying that all these units will be playing together as a whole, first team, second team, or third team in the spring, but it's a great way to evaluate yourself against you know, guys on different sides of the ball or different structures of the depth chart just in that. But, yeah, when you look at that offensive line structure for the white team, man, they, they did a really, really good job of opening those holes and also protecting um, Xavier Lankford, who happened to be their quarterback.
0: And I appreciate you for making that distinction because it is important to understand it's not just first team versus second team and reiterate that it was a draft. It's a mixed bunch. So are you telling how the unit's going to be? But the fact that it was good still is a bonus for you. Now, last time you were on here, you talked about the roster turnover. You talked about the guys transferring out and whatnot. Well, with so many new players, some probably stepping up, some actually being new. Was the beginning of spring practice a little bit slower pace so that you had to learn the playbook more than in previous seasons?
1: Yeah, I actually asked Coach Boehner about that, and he did agree with me on that. Now, here's another thing, too, though, that worked in their manner. Because the NCAA changes so many rules each and every year as far as how much contact can can be made between coaches and players, especially during the offseason, you know, they had more meetings. So because they had more meetings, yeah. these guys were able to, like, get into the classroom, go over some more film study or whatever prior to spring. So it wasn't like everybody was walking out there and you know, they were blind by what was being thrown at them. So there was a better understanding of certain things. And, you know, coach said this, he, he felt like if he can knock out about two weeks worth of good stuff, then they go on spring break. By the time they come back from spring break, it's kind of like, all right, we're just running plays, running plays, running plays, because you had two good weeks to actually get everything down pat. And he felt like the guys responded in a major way uh, with that. So the learning process, Learning curve, not too much, but eventually everybody got it running pretty quickly um, just due to weather and all that. They couldn't get their early scrimmages out the way, which would have been a better assessment of some things. But the way that the guys were able to fly around this past week and also the previous week when they had a scrimmage, you know, lets them know that a lot of progress was m- being made. A lot of studying was being done by his football team, especially uh, especially his wide receiver core, because he said that, that's gonna, that that bunch was kind of, new new besides maybe about three or four guys right. with playing experience
0: and i want to switch gears over to the defense because a lot of this conversation i guess really this whole conversation outside of a couple of sentences was about the offense and i like defense i'm a defensive guy literally mm-hmm. right and defensive coordinator bowl where He discussed how the defensive line is so good that he feels like they can lead them to success defensively going through the season. Is this D-line the strongest unit on the team, whether I'm talking offense or defense?
1: I can definitely say the defensive line is the strongest unit on the team, primarily because of this. Um, They're definitely led by Zerion Hayes, who, you know, had – all sorts of plays last year. But also, let's consider this, man. You and I have been covering HBCU football, especially in the swag, closely the last few years. Alabama AM and really wasn't known for their defense, you know, these last few years. Sure, you had a quill glass slinging it left and right, and it's kind of like, let's just outscore these folks. But the offense took a major step back as they were trying to find their replacement of glass. So that caused the defense to really, really step up. And sure, you know, some games, you know, maybe – in the season did get away a little bit. But if you look at some of the defensive categories, Alabama AM and m was vastly improved on the defensive side of the ball compared to years past. And I mentioned Zaryon Hayes was one of those guys on it. It was just, there were just several games, they, they got offensive inefficiency. Um, So because of that, the defense was just strung out there and they just, Got tired, man, so I think if you can find more offense this year, this defense will be able to kind of show the conference that, hey, you know, they are a real deal bunch, maybe not the best bunch in the swag, but they'll definitely be among the tops because I've always felt that you've got to find a way to earn your way into those specific roles or also into those specific categories of elite status so i truly think that defense can be something very very good it's just a matter can you just put the put the mix together but yeah zaryon hayes was a name that a lot of people knew last year would not be surprised if more people know his name this year especially on the defensive front
0: you mentioned some of inefficiencies that you had trying to find a replacement for glass I know it's been a full season since Glass has left, but with a quarterback of his caliber, replacing him it's not a storyline that stops after one season, at least not most times. And in Alabama AM, so when you're talking about filling the shoes of a great, great quarterback, you now have a strong offensive line. You have a strong defensive line. You have three running backs that you feel confident in. Is this team, I don't want to say quarterback-proof because I don't think that exists, but do you think – that this team is now constructed to handle average quarterback play
1: in a nutshell yes from what i've seen thus far i mean clearly you know there's not another quill glass is about to walk through that up through that door on the hill. It's just not happening, man. I mean, Coach Manor has even told fans, look, don't look for the next Aquil Glass to come through here. But at the same time, he does you know, want people to know that he's got a team full of great recruits and great players that want to win. So offensively, I can see them continue to be a little bit more balanced. Because if you remember... Really, during the middle of the season when Donovan started like really rolling, they became more of a run first offense than what it was past happy offense as we seen it in the past. So I think for this upcoming year, and keep in mind, I'm only thinking or whatever, you know. I I gotta wait till they actually play the game. I can see them being more balanced, especially if the QB play is still kind of up in the air just just a a little bit. But um, yeah, I was I would say look for them to be a little bit more balanced. Um, this upcoming year, and clearly, if you get a quarterback in there that may be, you know, average but good, who doesn't make mistakes, then that becomes a different scenario for you know for a team all in all. Because if they can find ways to put points on the board, they can find ways to sustain long drives and keep their defense off the field while keeping the opposing defense on the field for long things. You get positive results with that. So a lot of positives to kind of take a look at when it comes to that Alabama a offense. It's just a matter of what the execution is going to look like, especially in those first couple of weeks of the season.
0: And as we close out, I want to ask you this one question. And this is kind of looking forward, which is, you know, the goal now it's, spring practice is over. It's time to look forward. But Coach Maynard, he talked about still hitting the transfer portal. And he because he has some positions that he needs to get more depth at. And he has some positions that he get starters at guess what positions do you think he's looking for a starting player at
1: I think he's still looking for a starting player maybe at the linebacker position already I mean I know he picked up a few in the uh, uh, in the signing period that he had you know most recently but I, I do feel like he's probably looking for another One or two guys, you know, right there, maybe in the defensive backfield as well. Because one thing with the DBs and me being a former DB, I noticed there was a lot of rotation among the DBs on both sides (laughs) of the ball, whatever. I don't know if that was more so to give guys a lot of playing time and reps, or it's maybe because you just want to see people, you know, prove themselves. So I would not be surprised if we, you know, if if we see no DBs. And of course, I I think you can never have too many defense alignment as well. You know, with it, like the way we're okay. running spread offices now in the world, you know, if you have a d- additional depth on the interior front, those guys in the trenches, I think, you know, that might be something that, you know, you keep an eye out on that. But uh, for sure, I will be keeping an eye out on that because that transfer, that next transfer portal date, I think, is early May, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll keep an yeah. eye out on that because here's the thing. If you can get somebody in that early May period or whatever, and then you can get them on campus first week of June that's still a lot of time to work and acclimate uh, those young men into the fold to get them ready for preseason camp. And if, I don't know, let's say they're solidified on, I don't know, eight people already. If you can find like those other three and then boom, they're right there, you know, getting ready to get into the fold, it becomes a different story all in all when preseason camp hits on that. But, yeah, Coach Manor is always looking to find a way to fill those needs. And also I'm going to say this. One thing he always has said, he likes doing spring practice early with the opportunities for guys to either if they get nicked up for them to get back healthier or unfortunately, you know, some guys, they just don't make the grade. So because they don't make the grade or whatever, it's a sad situation, but that also gives him an opportunity to look for other folks that he know he's going to need to fill those needs as well. Like, Hey, Gotta pull a scholarship because God didn't qualify academically, but I got one for this person if they're in the portal or if they, you know, I don't know, Lake Juco bloomer, something like that of that age. I've seen that happen multiple yeah. times. So that's something else you have to always, you know, keep in mind. You know, if you especially if you're a football coach like Coach Manor and he's done a pretty good job with that, knowing that he needs to feel this and needs to feel that because hey, you're one play away. You're a one play away no matter True. what position you are each and every day.
0: Man, I appreciate you. I'm optimistic now. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't pessimistic. I was kind of neutral. Now I'm pretty optimistic for what Alabama A&M look, like, and I want them to be good. Even even more sweet when we get our get back from how y'all did us last year, taking us out the white championship. Uh, something else I was reminded by watching our interview back. That that one hurt. That one hurt. But it's okay. You have to think about the Bulldogs, <laughs> but I appreciate you, Mo. We'll have you back on to discuss Alabama AM football continuing into the offseason and next season. But I do appreciate you.
1: All right. Appreciate you, and Keep up the good work, man. Thank
0: you, my guy. Once again, thank you to my guy Mo coming on the show because the insight he brought from a front row seat at the spring game, it made me feel more optimistic about Alabama A&M and I hope you did as well that was kind of my promise at the beginning of the show so I hope I was able to deliver or rather he was able to deliver on that and change your tone if you weren't optimistic before and I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day on tomorrow's episode we're going to kind of peek into the future we're going to look at the beginning of the T.C. Taylor era down there in Jackson State because this is his first spring game and this is kind of like kicking the door open for him for him in his time at jsu in the meantime in between time if you're looking for me you can find me on twitter at south exclusives until the next time that we hear each other family take care stay blessed peace